This is the First Emmanuel Lutheran Church podcast. For more information about us, who we are, and how to get connected, check us out online at filministries.org. Today's message is delivered by Pastor Randy Roche. You know, we've been talking about feelings, Christmas feelings. Um, most of the Christmas feelings that you and I would come up with would be things like joy and peace. Uh, but we've been talking about things like emptiness as well as fulfillment. And we've been talking about things like anxiety as well as excitement. But where does, where does insecurity fit into Christmas? I mean, other than wearing a sweater with a chicken wearing a sweater. I think there are, there's a lot of times we can become insecure. And, and it's not just a Christmas thing. It, sometimes we're consumed with insecurity. And that's what we find in Herod. He was absolutely consumed with insecurity. Now maybe, maybe what we really know about Herod is what we pick up here in Matthew's gospel, that he was the king of the Jews and he was really frustrated because some wise men from the east came and said there was a new king born who would shepherd the people of Israel and he became furious. I think, I think maybe a little history, it's important for us to see what got Herod to the point where he would take such outrageous actions killing all the male children two years old and under. What would get a person so insecure that he would resort to such behavior? A little background on Herod. Herod grew up in a family that some generations earlier had converted to the Jewish faith. He came from a political family. His father was involved in the politics of the day and involved in governing. I guess we could say he was a member of a family that was involved in the deep state of Rome. His father was very good friends with Julius Caesar, and because of that, he was able to move up the political ladder. And it really also opened up doors for Herod himself as as he grew older. Now, by the time we get to the birth of Jesus and the visit of the wise men, Herod's been on the throne somewhere 30 to 35 years. So he's like three decades into ruling as the king of the Jews. And he's known for a lot of things. He's known for his reconstruction and expansion of the temple in Jerusalem. He expanded it to the north so that if you were to uh, see pictures of it or visit, you maybe heard of the Wailing Wall where Jewish people offer their prayers if you go there, they, they prefer to call it the Western Wall. That was part of the expansion of the temple under King Herod. He also built some, some great and mighty fortresses. Probably the most um, recognizable would be Masada. A lot of different opinions about this man. Now, if you talk to Rome about him, Rome, Rome was pretty happy with this guy, because he kept the Jewish people contented under the Roman rule. Oh, they weren't excited about the Roman rule, but at least Herod was able to keep them in bounds, which is all that the Roman government asked of its leaders 
in its different principalities. However, a lot of the locals weren't happy. Take the Pharisees, for instance, that Jewish group. Pharisees were not happy because when Herod announced that he was going to be restoring and reconstructing the temple, as Pharisees, they said they should be in on working on some blueprints with him, and Herod said he didn't want their input whatsoever. Oh, then there were the Sadducees, another Jewish religious sect, and they were upset with Herod because they were the ones who placed the high priest and the other priests in the temple. Herod said, I don't need your help anymore, and he brought in priests from the outside, priests from the region of Babylonia and from Alexandria, Egypt. So he had presented some pretty strong religious enemies. And then there were the taxpayers who just about had enough of him because he continued to tax them so that he could have these expansive building projects. And then he used taxpayer money to lavish his political allies with all kinds of gifts and favors. And he did it, he did it to procure their favor because he was a very insecure person. He was always a bit paranoid that someone was going to remove him from his rule. I mean, this is how far he would go. He was already married, but he took another wife because her family had political connections. And then he had his first wife murdered along with their three sons because he was worried that one of the sons might want to take his position. And then the mother of his new wife, his mother-in-law, he had her murdered too because he was afraid that she might institute a coup against him. Oh, we could go through a whole list of people that Herod had murdered because of his insecurity, because of his deep-set paranoia. But it was so bad that his friend, Caesar Augustus, had this to say about him. I would rather be Herod's pig than his son. You know you're a troubled person when that's the best thing that one of your friends could say about you. So now do you understand why Herod was so troubled when the wise men came? The Greek says he was agitated. He's insecure and he's paranoid because he hears that another king is born and from the religious leaders he hears that that the one who was to be born was the one who would shepherd the people of Israel, would be the one that would be the long-awaited king. He wants, he wants the competition eliminated. Go, he says to the wise men. Go, go to Bethlehem, find this newborn king, and come back. Let me know where he is, because I too want to worship him. No, he wasn't. He needed to know where this child would be because he wants to send out a hit squad. But the wise men are warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod, go back some other way, secretly, quietly. And scripture says when Herod found out that he was played, that he was furious, he was provoked to anger. And when you marry anger with paranoia, 
you come up with some malicious, murderous mandate to kill all the male children in the region under the age of two. I don't think any of us are this insecure that we would have fellow family members bumped off so we could get the better Christmas gift. But I think there is a bit of insecurity that each one of us carries. And I think, I think there's an insecurity primarily in, in two areas of life and living. And I think the first one comes, the first one comes in what happens after this life. Is there a life after death? And if there is a life after death, how can I get there? Will I get there? It's a natural tendency because of our sinful nature to wonder these things. Yeah, I was, um, I got a new TV, got a smart TV. It's got YouTube on it. It's pretty cool. I was watching old Packer games and then when you're done, it comes up with suggestions. Maybe these are things you would like to watch. I found out really how pathetic my social life is by what YouTube suggested. It suggested I watch a 1984 episode of 60 Minutes with Morley Safer. He was interviewing Jackie Gleason. Turned out to be quite an interview. <laughs> Actually, I think, I, I think it was a God thing because I was preparing for this sermon. And, and the interview was, Jackie Gleason was talking about growing up and, and being abandoned by his father. It was just him and his mother. And he talked about the various jobs he had, how he got into show business and how he made his way on the stage. And then he was on radio and he was television shows and motion pictures and, and an orchestra. Even though the guy couldn't read one single note, he had an orchestra. And Morley Safer says, it looks like you've achieved everything. Anything missing? And Jackie Gleason suddenly had this somber look. And he said, my greatest fear is that I won't go to heaven. And it was like a pall came over that whole conversation. And Morley Safer said, why not? And Jackie Gleason said, because... I don't deserve it. Isn't that amazing? That's a natural tendency. I want to go to heaven, but I don't think I'm good enough. I'd like to tell you that the rest of the conversation between Morley Safer and Jackie Gleason was all about, all about the gift of God in Jesus Christ because we know all about that. That's why we come here every week because we know what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus leaving his throne on heaven, taking human flesh on himself. It's about Jesus doing what we can't do, about living the perfect life and letting his righteousness become ours. We know that it's about Jesus who, once he lives the perfect life, takes our sin to the cross and crucifies it so that we would be the forgiven children of the heavenly father, that the door of heaven would be opened because the resurrection of Jesus is proof positive that his sacrifice was accepted by the heavenly father. And we know the promise. That he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. We know it. Has there ever been those times though that you wondered? That you were maybe a little insecure about that? 
Is God really that loving that he could love someone like me? Is he really that forgiving? Because I know I sin over and over. And we all have our own signature sins that tend to hound us and entrap us and ensnare us. And can God continue to forgive me time and time again? I know I've sat at the deathbed of many people and held their hand and have heard the same question. Pastor, can I really go to heaven? And I know what's happening. They're looking back at their life. Their idiosyncrasies, their inadequacies, their inabilities to walk with the way God would have us go. And I tell them the same thing. Oh, you can know for certain. Because all the things that bother you and me about our past have been crucified and buried. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. When it comes to eternal salvation, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. We can say amen to that one because it is most certainly true. But sometimes we have those feelings of inadequacy and insecurity in, in our daily lives and in our relationships. How many of you have ever heard the term self-esteem? Raise your hand if you've heard that one. That is the catchphrase of the last generation or so, isn't it? Self-esteem. We're not feeling good about ourselves, so we got to help you feel good about yourself. Self-esteem. It's what's talked about in counseling, in psychology, and psychoanalysts. It's brought up in educational circles. It's even infiltrated the sports world. First t-ball game I ever went to some 30 years ago, I got there late. I didn't get to hear all the rules and regulations, but I saw the first kid get up and he swung three times at a ball on a tee and missed all three times, to which I said, hey, that's strike three, it's one out. This ought to go quick. And the lady behind me said, we don't count strikes or outs or innings, or runs. And I said, well, how do we know who wins? Which provoked her to gross agitation. And she said, everybody's a winner. My wife nudged me because she knew I wanted to say, everybody except that kid that missed the ball three times. We know we're not winners just is challenging when you know you're not a winner and people are trying to convince you that you are. So we attempt to boost our self-esteem. And we talked last week that sin has caused this God-sized void in our lives. And we try to take the, the things of the world and fill that void. So we think better jobs fill the void or bigger homes fill the void or more athletic prowess fills the void or a student in our house who's a, an honor student fills the void because the bumper sticker makes all the difference in the world. My child is an honor student. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that says, my kid beat up your honor student. Is that security? What is security? St. Paul thought he was secure. 
before he came to know Jesus. His security was found in his rapid rise in the religious ranks of his time. And then he was met by Jesus on the road to Damascus and found that the things of the world do not fill the God-sized void. But when he came to know Jesus, his life was fulfilled. It had meaning and purpose. It was certain and secure, even to the point he could write to the Philippians, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You know, we can get so lost in the things of the world. We want to pin our worth on what we've accumulated, what we have earned, what we have attained, and it's not there. It's rubbish. It's not wrong to have it. It's just wrong when we try to find our esteem in it. See, Paul found what we all need, and that's Christ esteem. Christ esteem. We are called to engage our faith in Jesus Christ in daily living for, for purpose. So Paul would, would say to the Galatians in chapter 2, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Do you get it? It's Christ who lives in me, who fills the God-sized void so I can live with certainty. That God loves me, not because I'm so good, but because he's so good. And so we can join Paul and, and we can say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. The new has come. No matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, Jesus has come. He comes to give you faith that you would cling to forgiveness. He comes to give you such a life that you can use his spiritual gifts in your daily life, that you can love as you have been loved, show mercy as he has shown mercy. You can care for others as you are cared by him. I remember my first parish, we were invited, my wife and I, to a party that, that the, the church choir had every year. They always invited the pastors to this party. They didn't ask us to sing, but they invited us to participate. And it was at the home of a gentleman in our congregation who was in the building business. And you can imagine he had just a beautiful home. And he had this finely manicured yard and a wonderful driveway. And when, when you drive up at Christmas, the, the outside was decorated in a most delightful way. And when you walked in, there was, a, there was a fire in the fireplace and the stockings were hung by the chimney with care. It was beautiful furniture decorated wonderfully. There was a beautiful spread on the table with candlelight. And we all enjoyed such a spectacular time because our host and hostess were two godly, wonderful people that made everybody feel at home. As we left and we were getting our coats on, there was another couple leaving with us, and 
they were getting their coats on. And they were walking out the door just before us. And I heard the wife say to her husband, and now we get to go back to our crummy little house. And my heart broke. Because I knew her husband to be such a godly man, as she was a godly woman. And I knew he labored long and hard in the produce section at the local grocery store. And it was there that he would greet the customers and wish them a Merry Christmas. He cared for his wife and his children in such a way. He was in church with them every single Sunday. And it broke my heart. Because you know, whether we live in a big, beautiful home or a modest home, what matters is whether Jesus lives there with us. And I know he lived in their home. And they were going to a little home. They were going back to a modest home like some of us have. And it was decorated well. But when you walked in their home, my prayer was that she would recognize the warmth that was dwelling in their home. Jesus. And the security that he would provide. And so my friends... Yeah, I guess insecurity is a part of life. It moves us to see we're not perfect. But it shows us a Jesus who is. Perfect Jesus who loves you and me so much that he died that we would be forgiven and he rose that we would have the certainty of life eternal. Your life and mine is about certainty. That's going to be Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you want to learn more about First Emmanuel Lutheran Church, visit filministries.org. We'll see you next week, and God bless.